please use your voice. The world needs you to show up. You are enough. You are enough just because you arrived. So use the voice, but remember that we use our voice not just by what we say, but by what we do and how we move through the world. Raise 1000 Voices is the podcast on a mission to raise the voices of the clever, creative and courageous women across the world. I am your host, Jacqueline Nagel, and I invite you to join me in conversations with women who will inspire and empower you as we explore just how to lift our levels of self-trust, to reclaim the narrative and to use our voice to go after exactly what we want, doing it with strength, power and grace. Welcome to the next conversation in the Raise 1000 Voices podcast series. This conversation is with Julie Cross, CSP. She is one of the most inspiring keynote speakers and one of our favorites across stages in Australia. Julie has the ability to fuse powerful human behavior insights with really practical strategies that leave audiences with incredible tools for living their best life and setting a higher standard in all aspects of their experience. What you're about to discover is whether she's presenting to 500 or 5 or 5,000, you're going to experience as one listener is that she delivers messages which resonate on the deepest of levels, enabling her conversations and her presentations to have a residual effect and lasting impact. We do have speakers in our world that deliver systems and information and knowledge, the statistics, the methodology, all about the bottom line, and that is great. We do need that in our world. However, with Julie, we get to take it to the next level and connect the information in our heads with the inspiration in our hearts. She's a firm believer that emotion creates emotion and that is where the action happens. Her qualifications and expertise, her insights stem from an early start in the workforce and through gaining a diploma from the University of Real Life. She has taken responsibility for her own personal development while coping with personal and professional challenges, which most of us would find, quite frankly, overwhelming. This conversation with Julie is fast-paced, it's rapid-fire, it's unapologetic, it's full of empathy and compassion for the human experience, and she leaves us, imploring us to please use our voices because the world needs more of us to show up. So working out how we got to that at the end of our conversation, welcome you to get started, settle in and enjoy the journey. So right now, I would love to welcome Julie Cross to the next episode of Raise 1000 Voices. Hello, Julie. Hello, Jacqueline. How are you? And hello to all your listeners. So happy to be here. Oh, it's so good to have you. Now, for our listeners, which we're picking up from around the world right now, where in the world are you? Well, I'm geographically, I'm here in beautiful Redcliffe on the ninth floor overlooking the ocean out to Morton Island. But where am I in my life? Well, I'm, I think I'm sitting in the best of my life in my mid-50s. Woo! Growing up children and, yeah, finding my way forward from here. So I'm living my best life. I love that. I love that. I turned 50 earlier this year and I already know that it's the best decade of my life. I'm loving and relishing being in my 50s. Absolutely. So, Julie, there's a whole bio that we've read out on the way in on the introduction and it very much says who Julie Cross is and what she does. What I'd love to know is the story of how Julie Cross got to where she is and became Julie Cross. Well, you know, she was born into who she is. Julie Cross was born into who she is. I love that. And I think when I look back and reflect, 
it was when I relaxed comfortably into her again after those teenage years and after those years where you lose yourself for a little while and you wonder who you are again. And I did that and I went through hairdressing, I guess, in that period of time. So, you know, I became a hairdresser and I expressed myself creatively there. And then as I began to make friends again and accept the jewelry cross that I was born here to be, then life showed up and directed me and pretty much showed me where to go. And so it was, I think, that really when I got comfortable in my own skin again that I found my dharma, my calling, which is to be on stage. And so it was through the room of hairdressing that I found my stage. But I always used my hairdressing as my stage when I was hairdressing. And it's only, I guess, when we move forward that we can reflect and look back and go, wow, you know, in hairdressing, I had an audience of one, one client at a time. And I was performing for that client. I was not only doing their hair, but I was inspiring them to buy from me. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, sharing stories and some of those were about hair. And then as we got to know each other personally, there would be personal stories that we shared. So you develop a deep connection way beyond the hairdo that you're doing. Yeah. And then as you go on and you're suddenly a, a manager, suddenly my audience had grown to 16 members. So suddenly I was on a stage with 16 members directing this show and inspiring them to bring the best of themselves to the stage. So it was like, you know, I can see it so clearly now and this is why we all just have to take whatever stage we're on and show up the best that we can with who we are and then life will open the doors and show us the next stages we need to be on if we're listening. And so it was really through the room of hairdressing that I grew, you know, or relaxed back into who I was meant to be and accepted myself and then the magic happened and then the magic happened and so for the last 25 years I've been speaking from the stage at the front of the room to all sorts of different audiences on all sorts of different stages. Yeah, I love that. There's a couple of things I'd really love to go a bit further on with that. And one is you remembered who you were born to be. Can you tell me what you mean by that? I I straight away resonate with it and understand it, but just for the audience, some of them are a little bit confused about claiming their true purpose in this world. Yeah. So, well, I was this very bright, joyful, expressive personality. And then I think you know, nobody did anything wrong that we lose ourselves. It's just that you then, you know, at, at school you're told to to be quiet. It's it's just society, you know, yeah. society comes along and, and we're taught to conform. And it was like I read a great analogy in one of Pam Grout books this morning where it's like putting on a tight spandex and you're pushing your physical body into this tight, constricted spandex. Well, it's like we do that to our spirit, into our human body, and then society comes along as well and we're all told, you know, to to pull ourselves in a little bit and to sit quietly and to lower your voice and, and gosh, you laugh so loud and suddenly you feel that those are things that are wrong with you and that's everything that's right about you because that's who you are. Yeah. And for somebody else it would be right not to laugh that loudly or it would be right for them to be, you know, more academic whereas, you know, I was more of that from that personality and heart space kind of a person and, and so it was relaxing back into feeling not wrong to be all of those things. You know, I remember going on dates and and not wanting to laugh out loud because if I did, the guy would kind of, you know, look embarrassed to be with me. Shrink away. And so suddenly those subliminal signs means that we retreat and we quieten our voice. We quieten yeah. our voice, the very thing that you're, you know, talking about. And so it was when I found that voice again and found that, you know, it's okay to be me and not everybody is going to get me, not everybody is going to like me, and that's okay, you know, and that is okay. 
And it doesn't mean that I'm I've arrived. I'm still working on that every day to <laughs> stay strong in that space because you know it, it's a workout. We have to keep yeah yeah we have to keep working out at it. So I think it, it was that you know that once I got comfortable being me mm. and knowing that I was okay as I was, then what you're meant to do here just is more obvious. Yeah. <laughs> up and you realise that your personality is exactly right for <laughs> what you love doing. It was designed deliberately. Yeah. It was designed deliberately for what you're here to do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, Julie, I love your ability to tell story. It's no secret that I'm a fan of your ability to tell story. Why do you think it is so important to share stories and to take people into different worlds? Oh, the great power of storytelling. You know, and once again, when I started speaking, Jacqueline, there was no, I didn't do any training on how to be a speaker or there was no, you know, I wasn't aware of any organisations like there are now, the wonderful PSA, professional speakers and so many organisations or places you can go to learn to speak. I wasn't aware of any of those things. So in any way, it was kind of a blessing as well because I did what came natural to me Mm -hmm. and as a, I guess I'm a creative, but but I love to tell stories. Now you think about it that every generation grew up storytelling. That's how our young yeah. people learn from us. That's how you know many people all over the world share their wisdom is through storytelling. And I don't know why we lost that along the way. I see schools now have become much more academic focused, and we're losing that passing on lessons through stories. So I just did it naturally. I just didn't know how else to get my message across. So I would just hop on stage and share stories. At school, I would get picked to share my written stories to the class. So I knew that I must have, I guess, had a, there must have been a talent there. But so the audience would teach me what worked. And so those stories resonated with the audience. And I would hear things, you know, a year later saying, oh, I'll never forget when you told us that story about, you know, that I've always remembered that. And then they tell me the lessons they got from it. So, of course, the storytelling isn't just about telling a story for the sake of pure entertainment in what I do anyway, that the idea is that through that storytelling, we feel it and we see ourselves in it and then we get a lesson from it. And, you know, Mara Angelos was the, that famous quote, you know, we, we don't remember what we hear, but we will remember how somebody made you feel. Yeah. You know, so feeling is so important and, and storytelling is what creates the emotion around a message and we are just missing this. And it's the emotion that creates motion. Yeah. And that's where motivation comes from. So I get the motivation by feeling the message in the story, not by just hearing it and having the data in my head. Yeah. You know, if we could be motivated just by the data and by the lesson in, in the policy and the procedure and the strategy of how to do it, then everybody in Australia would be exercising every day. <laughs> we would and we're not. <laughs> because we have the data on that. Yeah, we do. I don't think anyone in this Australia has not been educated this, that exercise is good for us. Yeah. I don't think anyone in Australia is sitting there going, I'm not going to start exercising yet because I'm waiting for the government to spend another billion dollars on a study to discover that exercise is good for me because I don't have enough data on that. We have the data on it. We have the statistics on it. We have been educated that exercise is good for us. We know how to do it. We put one leg in front of the other. We all walk every day. So we know that we can at least do that. There are uh, lovely paths that we can walk on very safely in all of our cities in Australia, even that free exercise equipment that you could use if you wanted to. So why isn't everybody walking? Because the emotion around the message is that we forgot we were worth the walk. Oh, yeah. If I yeah. myself enough, how would I treat my body? 
I would treat it with respect. I don't need to exercise to lose a dress size, to look like anyone else, to be a supermodel. I simply do it because how would you treat something you loved? You would do loving things for it. You would look after it. And we know exercise is a way of looking after this magnificent body that our soul sits in. So that's the the emotion behind the message. Yeah. Yeah. The emotion in that is really strong. And I've recently been part of a conversation with you where we were talking about when people have big stories to share. And Julie, you do speak, you do share big stories from a stage. You share stories about stroke and autism and husband and being a widow unexpectedly. They're really big stories. So what advice would you give to people who actually have these very big stories that they feel like they need to get out there? You're masterful at sharing. What would you share with others about sharing big stories? Well, it's important to share the big stories because this is what makes us all feel less alone and this is what creates connection and community. This is what educates. And the one thing that I think that I always hear in sharing the story, and can I just sort of say too, sharing the story doesn't mean it has to be from a stage like I do it. No. Sharing the story is with you on a podcast or sharing the story could be with somebody that you sat next to on a bus. Yeah. It could be you know, somebody that you bumped into or that you, a friend that you walk with. Mm. So share, or our children, you know. Yeah. I think we forget to share our stories with our children. You know, the, when I was your age, I also used to feel anxious going to school. When I was your age, would you believe that, you know, I, my heart was broken too when my boyfriend broke up for me. All of those things, I think we, or when I was your age, yes, I did get caught sneaking alcohol into the school dance too. <laughs> yeah. You know. Confession time. We've got to be brave and vulnerable. That's yeah. right. To be able to sort of. So I think sharing story is not just from a stage. So I first of all just wanted to say that. But, yeah, but it's just so important that we do share to create that connection to make everybody feel less alone. And it educates and it empowers. It does all of those things. So I think it is just about knowing that people do want to hear your stories. Mm-hmm. They really do want to hear your stories. I think sometimes we think, oh, my story's not worth telling or I'm being self-indulgent. Yeah. You know, it, oh, like I'm being self-indulgent and I'm making everything about me. You know, so it's a way that you do it too. But, but yeah, I think that there's a great power in, in storytelling and sharing your story and being open to being courageous enough to be vulnerable enough to do it. It is just so important. But the thing is, too, you feel less alone yeah. when you share your story. So the gift is is for somebody else, but the gift is also for you in doing that. Well, how do you think you stay on the right side of that very fine line between sharing a powerful story and connecting and it being self-indulgent? How do you keep yourself on the right side of that line? There's always got to be a gift for the person I'm sharing the story to. I guess that that's how I try to feel about it, especially in the work that I do where I am often standing on a stage and I'm being paid to be there. So therefore, it can't just be about me because (laughs) I'm actually there for my audience. I'm there for my client and my audience. And and so, again, when I first started sharing my very personal stories, because I've always been a storyteller, but but before I had my deeply personal stories of, of my husband having a stroke and losing him and grief and autism, I was still sharing other stories, just, you know, everyday stories. I was still sharing those stories. So it kind of evolved. And when I started sharing my personal stories, I did wonder initially, was this being self-indulgent or was this um, what people would say, you know, a bit of self-therapy from the stage or whatever you want to call it. But my audience told me. So you listened to the, my audience said to me in the way they reacted and in the feedback I got, we need to hear your story. And they told me about the gifts they got for themselves. 
And so I knew then that it was it was okay. I had permission from the people around me by the way that they reacted that in fact it was giving them a gift. So as long as I shared the story in a way and these my energy and the and my heart came from the space of I'm sharing this story so that you can get a gift from it and feel less alone so that you can see yourself in it because we're all going to have a story. Yeah. We're all going to have a big story. It may be slightly different but we're still all going to have one. So it made me relatable because I think it's also easy to look at somebody and go before you know their story and go, oh, yeah, well, it's all right for you, Miss Sparkle up there, you know, life's <laughs> perfect with your nice view and your, your sequin jacket. You know, you don't realise what I've been through. And then I share my story and you just see suddenly, oh, okay. Yeah. So now, you know, if she can still be happy and find joy and do that, having gone through that, that makes me more relatable to them. And then they suddenly, the messages go, obviously are going to run deeper than me just saying it because I read it in a book or, you know, I read this this information somewhere else. Yeah. So you talk quite a lot, Julie, about the fact, you know, and you touched on it earlier about whatever stage you're on, be there. And whatever stage you're on, share it. What do you think stops people, particularly women, our audience is predominantly women. What do you think stops women from actually really owning their stages, whatever that stage is? Well, you talk about it in what you want to talk about with what you want to affect with this podcast. And that is, you know, that inner critic, that inner voice that we need to make friends with. It's um, always linked back to, I think, to that foundation of self-esteem and self-love and knowing that you're worthy yeah. and that, you know, that the world needs you to show up. Yeah. Whoever you are, you there is nobody else quite like you in this world nobody that can has got a story quite like yours nobody that can share it the way that you can share it there is you know so we need everybody to show up and and I think that it is it's that fear that oh well, why would anybody want to hear what I've got to say yeah that fear that we're going to be ridiculed for our story or what we're saying or what we're sharing or our opinion or the fear it's not going to sound good enough or polished enough or professional enough or you know you are enough yeah just because you're here you know, you're enough. So the minute we start worrying about that, then our story is it starts changing straight away for a start. Yeah. Because we'll make sure that it we're going to be trying to change it. We're going to put in the spandex on again to sort of make it constrict and fit into what we think other people want it to sound like and feel like. And we're losing our story straight away. So I think it, it always comes back to that fear of what is everyone else going to think and the fear that I'm not going to be enough. Yeah. The fear that somebody might not like your story. You know, and I had to overcome that, that, you know, when, speaking from the stage, as I don't know, it's top three things that people fear, I think. And one of those yeah. things is, is because you're putting yourself up for criticism. Mm. You're putting yourself right out there for people to say what they think about you. You know, when I first started doing this, I'd be sharing and then I'd give feedback forms out. I'd get, you know, 95 positive feedback forms, five negative. What do you think I used to focus on? Yeah, straight to the five. I tear the five up now and that's no disrespect to the people that wrote them. But it actually doesn't make any common sense for me to change what I'm doing yeah. when 95 people got it because there's five people that didn't. I'm just going to have to let the five people go. With a lot of love. With the love because they're not wrong. No. I'm not wrong. We just didn't get it on together. Yeah. I only need enough of the people enough of the time. And for some reason we get coerced into worrying about the five all the time. Yeah. 
You just don't have to worry about the five. Yeah. You, know, you just lovingly let them go. Somebody else will connect with them with their message. So the minute we start worrying about what somebody might think or how they might judge us, then, yeah, we lose our voice straight away. I love that because I don't think it's, it feels to me like women don't actually or anybody actually, let's be honest, don't actually realize the incremental buildup that happens like that moment that you start adjusting. And when you said you lose your voice straight away, we don't become aware of it till later. So I really love that juxtaposition of actually the first time we respond to that is when we start to lose our voice. Yeah. How did you learn to dance with that inner critic? Oh, she's still there. You know, obviously she's still there. And I do have the imposter syndrome that that slips in, you know, regularly just to keep me in check too. Of, <laughs> But, you know, there's always a um, balance to me too that, you know, my ego also loves to come out to play every now and again. Yeah. And she's a part of me too. And so I let her come out and play every now and again. And then, you know, we sit her down too and say, <laughs> and we go, righto, you go back now. You've had your fun. Yeah. You know, keep your balance here of being who you are and owning who you are and loving who you are, but knowing that we're not better than anyone else. We're only ever as good as yeah. everybody else. And so making sure that you give everyone their space around you as well. So it's just self-talk. I talk to myself a lot. Yeah. Self-talk or I talk to myself all the time. And so when I feel that coming up where I'm feeling like an imposter again and that critic arrives, I say, oh, I see you. You've, you've come out again, you know, and but you know what, Julie? Evidence suggests, doesn't it? Yeah. Evidence says you've got this. Yeah. Look at you. You know, evidence says that every time you feel like this, when the minute you march through it, you come through the other side and you are always enough. You have always been enough, Julie, and you will always be enough. You have got this. And I do go, I go to the mirror and I look into who I am and I, you know, and, I, and, I, and I've got a little um, photo beside my bed of me at about, oh, as a baby, and I'm on a swing and my legs are out and it's in front of me and I've just got a big smile on my face and such joy. And I remind myself that that's that little girl in here and you be nice to her because how would you speak to that little baby right there? So self-talk, it's talking myself through it. I really don't look for that externally other than through reading, et cetera, but I don't. Yeah look to that from anyone else that's really a, a private thing you know session I have with my yeah <laughs> but we debate deposits in our you know into our bank you know and I say that it, you look back at your evidence so every time I you know have doubted myself and leading up to an event where I will think oh you know because I haven't finished high school so every now and again I pull that one out you know you're not academic enough you're not you're not you know educated enough you know how are they gonna why would they want to listen to you I go, well, why wouldn't they? Everybody else, you know, all these other clients have wanted to listen to me, you know. <laughs> yeah. Great feedback. Thousands and thousands of people now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but you have made deposits, Julie, into the bank that you can draw on for when you're feeling a little vulnerable. Draw on the deposits and go, you know what? Yeah. You did good up to here, Julie. So you just keep riding on that wave there. You ride on that. Yeah. And I think if anyone can find a photo of themselves as a child full of joy, I love the idea you have of having it beside the bed and just reminding yourself just somewhere where you see it constantly. Yeah. Because we do come into this world. I say to people all the time, hands up if you're ever a toddler. And they're like, what? I'm like, because as a toddler, when you first learn to speak, you can't get your words out fast enough. You learn how to demand what you want. You like almost play with them coming out of your mouth and putting them together. And and so we're all born with incredible ability to express ourselves. And I like to remind people that that's who we are, you know. So, yeah, so you are exposed through your work, not just to hundreds of thousands of people from an audience perspective, but also to other great storytellers. 
Is there anyone or any particular story that has just made a real difference for you that's landed that you just remember all the time, like that go-to story or that experience that you heard? Because you do have this access to incredible storytellers. I do. And, you know, I guess I'm a real reader, Jacqueline. I'm a, I'm a reader. I'm a I read and I read and I read and I love, well, I love Brene Brown and, I mean, she's just yeah. somebody now that, you know, we can all relate to. And, you know, in, in the early days it really was Oprah and her shows and her storytelling that, you know, as this young country girl, I remember mum having the show on and, you know, me listening and, and sitting in and watching Oprah and just being amazed by her and her ability and where she'd come from and what she had achieved. And so, and sometimes to me, you know, when I... I thought about the voice and the storytelling sometimes it's not the stories that we're just telling with our voice I thought as well it's the stories we're telling with the way we move through the world and what we're doing and I think that that's a really big connection as well and so for people like Oprah it wasn't always what she said or how she told a story it's what she was achieving and doing and knowing where she'd come from yeah in the way that she walked through the world, you know, and, and to what she's achieved. And so I think I was just so inspired by that. I just, from a specific story point of view, I just can't grab one right now. But Wayne Dyer too, he's one of my favourite authors. Oh. And his ability to weave, uh, Marianne Williamson as well, mm. she's just one of my sheroes as well that I just love. Yeah. Pam Grout, I'm reading, um because you're going to ask me this later anyway, but Pam Grout is an incredible storyteller as well. She's the one lady that wrote E Squared and E Cubed. Yeah. Down to earth in her style of storytelling and so relatable that you just constantly, my head gets sore from nodding it all the time. It's a religious experience of like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I felt like that listening to a podcast with Brené when you said about Brené earlier. I was listening to something the other day. I was on the treadmill and I realised it's actually yelling out the top of my voice, oh, yes. Oh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I completely resonate with that. That's right. You've mentioned Wayne Dyer and this is, you know, you talk about actually how people walk through the world and how they show up in the full storytelling. And I saw him only about two weeks before he passed. And he was actually speaking here in Brisbane, where we are in Australia, and he sat in a wingback chair at the front of the stage and literally leaned into the audience with his elbows on his knees and just leaned in and had a conversation for an hour. Yeah, that's amazing. It's the most extraordinary experience I've ever had. Oh, just gave me goosebumps. And that's You know, when I talk about energy, I think people misinterpret when I talk about energy as being like how energy comes through me, which is me jumping around on stage, very expressive, arms everywhere. But you see, that's me doing me. Yeah. And But Wayne Dyer has, you know, you will get his energy through him just sitting there leaning in, having a conversation with you. Jim Rohn, who who was one of the early speakers that really was one of my heroes way back when I was repping and I'd have his cassettes in the car. You know, and he would just stand behind a lectern Mm. and he was so quietly spoken, but the energy that he projected from that space with his, the power of his storytelling was truly incredible. So again, Jim Rohn standing solidly in who he was, Mm -hmm. you know, Wayne Dyer leaning forward into who he is and, and that's why he connects so powerfully. So I think that, yeah, I mean, once I, I um, finish this, I'm going to think of, of so many stories I want to come back to. 
not going to be impacted me. But, but I just can't. Are we going to have to do an instalment too? Are we doing yeah, with the stories? <laughs> but there's just so many of them. I just can't think exactly. I want to come back to the Pam Grout stuff in a moment when we talk about books. But before we get to that one, there's two questions I'd love to ask. And the first one is, you mentioned Marion Williamson, Wayne Dyer, Pam Grout. Who else do you think are amazing storytellers? We can't go straight to a go-to, but who do you turn to? You know, I think it's Mark Manson. Is he the one that wrote the, yeah, the subtle art of not giving a... Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, so he's actually a fantastic storyteller too. I love his blog. His blog is just story after story after story, yeah. Oh, he's brilliant, yes. And again, a fantastic way of being so down-to-earth and relatable in honest language, in an honest, his honest voice, and so... And that's what makes it, again, so relatable, so easy to connect to, so impactful, so powerful, because you feel like you know who he is. I feel like that if you ran into him, I immediately know who he is. He shows me who he is, and that's what we connect to. So I think he's, so from a, yeah, a powerful storyteller, but Deepak Chopra too, another powerful storyteller. Yeah. I love his work as well, so... Yes, and and they are all storytellers, and that's the thing. You're not reading a book just with lots of. I mean, there's lots of research behind it, obviously, as well, and yeah, the headspace stuff there. But always, always wrapped up in stories with the way that they get their messages. Yeah, from. we've touched on Brené a few times already, but one of my, her favorite quotes that's underpinned a lot of my work the last five years is, "Oh, I have a lot of favorite quotes of hers now. Actually, they're kind of mounting up." But is she had right back at the start of when she first became more broadly known. She used to say that maybe. Stories are just data with soul. Yes, yes. I love that quote too. Yeah. Yes, and that's absolutely right. Absolutely. When you're talking to people that are more technical and you give that to them, it's like this whole paradigm shift for them because like, oh, I can wrap the data up and not be so boring. Absolutely. <laughs> and learn how to absolutely. connect. <laughs> and this, and I'm going to be doing a lot more work in this space of energy, just talking about energy and speaking about energy. I did a keynote the other day and really the energy was the foundation of the whole thing. And stories evoke energy again, you know, an emotion, and it's an energetic exchange. And we're all affected by energy. And I think we underestimate that. And if we just stay in our heads with our data, we're not connecting to the energy around all of that information. And it's energy that is so powerful. It's energy that inspires people to do business with us. It's energy that services exchange of energy. Leadership is an exchange of energy. And I think that that somewhere we quieted our energy. I don't quite as the word quieten, quietened our energy. Yeah. We stepped back from our energy for some reason. Yeah, you know, we got in our heads and out of our hearts. And so yeah. absolutely, if you share the data and attach the soul to the data, then suddenly you will inspire people with that data. You know, whereas if you're just sharing straight from the head, it just does not have the same effect. I'm really excited to see where you go with that, actually, because everything being an energetic exchange is something I see my work every day. Everybody's forgotten. There is an exchange of energy. There's some research and you know, just speaking about research and data and I'd have to go and find the story, but there's some research that's now proven that the way that we communicate with each other over time can actually change DNA. So the one thing that we thought was immovable in our lifetime, yeah. they're now actually proving that the impact of the story and the communication that we're constantly subjected to can impact our DNA, which is why you see trauma being generational and things like that. Wow. And the way to reverse it, reverse adverse impacts is actually to change the story. Mm, yeah. And so it's really, it, science is actually catching up to what we've all catching up. 
yes. intuitively felt. So yeah. Yes. So back to the storytelling, because I just love your storytelling. But full stop, you've just written a book. Yeah. Living with autism. Yes, I have. What prompted you to actually capture everything into words on paper and publish that book? So, well, I started sharing this journey. And again, it was, you know, sharing stories on social media. So social media sort of came along into our lives and I was well into the journey of Thomas with his autism and also grief in our family with losing my husband. And so I started just, and again, it's instinctive. You know, I'm a flower, Jacqueline. I'm a flower in life. I'm not a fighter. And what I mean by that is I'm not a a list action girl, you know, do your list. This is what you've got to action this year and go for it. Get busy, busy, busy. I'm a um, let me sit, relax. <laughs> oh, and see what comes to me and an idea will pop into my head and I'll go, well, I'll let me flow with that. And so it's not a comfortable place for a lot of West people living in Western worlds, which are busy doing worlds to be in. But I have found it and I think that my life helped me to find it. Autism, grief helped me to find that place because with my work, I didn't have time to set goals with my work. I was too busy trying to manage my personal life. And so my work just had to flow. Mm. And so I've learned that actually, you know, the magic can happen in that flow when you can let it flow. So, and when, when I, you know, so I just had this thought that I should start sharing some of these stories on social media. Again, for me, because there was, I felt very lonely in the journey. It's a lonely journey when you're at home with autism. And and back there in the early days, we knew little about it. No, we didn't. Yeah. So I started sharing loving with autism updates on Facebook. And what I discovered through doing this was that, that I connected with a community who were also going through the same things because people would tag other people and they found my posts and And so suddenly I was feeling less alone, realising that I wasn't a terrible mother, that other people were going through this stuff too. They felt less alone because it was normalising it for them as well. But what also happened with the magic is that people in the community who had nothing to do with autism also loved engaging in those particular stories. Yeah. Because they felt they were learning, number one, a different way to see the world through Thomas's eyes, but they wanted to learn and be more empathetic and more respectful and more inclusive around how autism shows up in the world. And they also, I mean, my three things in my business are empowering, entertaining and energising. Mm-hmm. And those stories still did all of those things because I would share these stories, sometimes heavy stories, but always with a sense of humour or not always, but, you know, if I could find the humour, I would. <laughs> I would share it. So there was always laughter and fun in them as well. And so I could see that my community was very engaged in that. And again, listen to your audience, listen yeah. to your community. So I knew that there was probably something there. And I, you know how we always say, actually, I wish I'd written down all the stories and all the funny things my children said, Yeah, you know, what all our children. And so I guess for me, that was a trigger to say, well, Julie, why don't you save all of these things that you're writing and put them in a file somewhere so that you've just got them for one day. And so then and then the audience told me again, Julie, when are you writing your autism book? When are you writing your autism? Yeah. You know, the flow. Yeah. So let me flow with that. You need the book. You want the book. Let me write the book. And so it was a gathering of putting all of what I'd already saved, I guess, all together and then, you know, adding to it from there and then tying it all up into a book. Yeah, which is an amazing book for everyone listening. You need to go and get a copy of it. It's both humorous and insightful and it's challenging and confronting, but you do it in such a beautiful way a really beautiful way. And for anyone who's lived with autism, it's also, like you said, you're not alone. It's that connectivity that it creates. So then 
we've talked a little bit about, you know, remembering who you were and falling back in love with Julie Cross. What's Is there anything that brings you up undone in that journey? Like is there anything that makes you stumble? Oh, yes. There's lots of things that make me stumble all the time. And that's okay because if I wasn't stumbling, I probably wasn't pushing myself out of my comfort zone or I probably wasn't yeah. challenging myself or, you know, so if I'm not stumbling, then I'm wondering what I'm doing. Love that. Probably. So my life is a bit of a, you know, a stumble, but I turn it into a bit of a dance. You know, I, <laughs> and I turn it into a dance. And so that's kind of how I've been. I sort of said when, when the um, pandemic hit, you know, we went into a pandemic panic and then people were pivoting everywhere and I didn't know where to pivot to. And <laughs> I'm like, gosh, I need a pivot. I need to pivot. I need a studio and I haven't got a pivot. And then I was like, oh, just do a pause for God's sake. <laughs> yourself out so then I did a pandemic pirouette you know and so that's my stumble out of that because I'm not let me write my book but you know so I am I'm always stumbling so pretty much I always say that there are some people in life that are gliders yeah and clunkers I'm a clunker I have never been a glider I am definitely a clunker so I kind of stumble through clunking along but I have learned to love that about me I used to judge that about me and I used to hate that about me yeah but I realize now that that's what makes me me and it's okay yeah you know I can admire the gliders now and I admire them and I think oh look at them glide so beautifully the way they seem to do everything but that's okay they're doing them and I've got to do me and so you know when I go to selling and you know maybe I've got to sit down with the CEO of a company and have that that conversation about what I could do for them at their next event and I stumble because, again, that, that imposter syndrome kicks in, you know, have I got the goods to sort of sit and have a conversation with him when, you know, he's got five degrees and, you know, will will I sound educated enough? And so they're definitely still my moments of, of growth yeah. where I have those little moments, you know, and then and sometimes absolutely, you know, when I'm going on stage and I'm, you know, when I look out and perhaps so I, I'm doubting again, I, I did an audience full of scientists once because they were selling medical equipment and so they you know, I had all these degrees in science, et cetera, to sell this equipment. And, and again, the stumble started to happen, the, the imposter syndrome started to happen. And so, you know, talk yourself through it, Julie, you see that feeling. If, and I've learned that when I get that funny feeling in my tummy, when the stumble's there and I've got that feeling of, of fear in my tummy, you know, I read once that our body releases the same chemicals as when we're scared, as when we're excited. So I process that now as excitement. To me, it's like jewels. <laughs> we're ready, <laughs> game on. Yeah, we're in. <laughs> we're on the roller coaster and we're going to be screaming for joy and lining up for more. <laughs> so, yeah, so I process it like that and, yeah, push myself through it. But, you know, a girlfriend said to me recently, you know, she's doing a really challenging job at the moment and there are days that she's crying and, but, you know, she's making such a difference in the world with this job that she's doing. And she was telling me about it and how, you know, one minute she's elated and the next minute she's crying and she's, and the next minute she's, you know, having this challenge, the next minute she's getting this incredible feedback. And I said to her, Andy, it sounds like you're living to me because oh, that's living. That's that is living. living. That's yeah. healing life. You know, you're making a difference, but it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean... You're not going to be challenged. It doesn't mean you're not going to be scared. Yeah. But we're meant to feel life. We're not meant to flatline through life. We're meant to feel it. Oh, aren't we, Wad? And it's really interesting when you said, you know, the gliders and the clunkers, I love that analogy, and you realise you're a clunker. And the same thing, it's no secret in the world close to me, I run at things and sometimes they work amazing and quite often they fail spectacularly. And I've spent a lot of time in the last five or six years 
convincing myself that I shouldn't run at things because I get hurt when they don't go well. I celebrate when they do go well. And I actually decided that that's where the joy is and that's where the beauty is. And yes, I fall and I fall really hard, but I realized I can't live any other way Mm. because in amongst that comes these moments of incredible joy and experiencing of life and things I never knew existed. So yeah, so I'm- Some people, I think it's that too. Some people have have lined up. I always say, I never got in the line for the carousel. I got in the roller coaster line. And I got <laughs> yeah. the That's the so, ticket I bought. <laughs> so I'm a clunker on the roller coaster of life right beside you, Julie. So we have mentioned books already a few times and we are about to wrap it up. I could talk to you all day. I think sometimes I have been guilty of doing that. Um, <laughs> you mentioned before, so we sort of, we ask guests about favorite book of all time, but also too, I think it's easier when you're a avid reader, like you said before, what's your go-to book or what are you doing at the reading at the moment that you're loving? Yeah. So yeah, because when I actually read that question, favorite book of all time, well, I can only tell you my favorite book of this time because there'll yeah. be a favorite book next time we talk. Yeah. Because, so yeah. thank you for praising that for me. So my favorite book at the moment is actually that I just reread over and over again and read it every day. It's almost like my Bible reading every morning is Pam Grout's version or her thoughts on The Course in Miracles. Oh. So she's done her own book. I'm making some notes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, you would love it. Again, just she's really taken A Course in Miracles and just put it into everyday language and stories. Wow. For everybody to be able to relate really easily too. So that's, and you know, her and Marianne Williamson, authors, well, they all are really, but but I love it when I read a book and I actually just have to read a page and then put it down to just be yeah. that page because there was so much that was said right there. Like there was so much I want to go into and just sink into. Mm. And, and very much this book, of course, in Miracles. And I, this is, I think I'm back on my fourth read of it. But it's just in bite-sized pieces so you can just sort of wake up in the morning and read a couple of pages and Oh, and sort of set you up for the day. So just loving her work. Yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah, I've read E Squared and E Cubed. Yeah. I didn't know this one existed and it sounds very similar. I'm reading a book at the moment. Actually, it's right here because I was taking a quick break before I got on this recording called You Already Know by Helen Jacobs. And it's very similar. But what I've decided to do because I kept putting it down every page is I've decided to do a read through and then I'm going to come back yes. and work it through. Yes. Because it's so... It's very much about how you create the rituals to do what you're talking about, to be in flow, to actually understand who you were designed to be and remembering who that is yes, fabulous, and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, so as soon as you said that about how you're treating Pam's book, I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I'm doing right yeah, now. Yes, <laughs> Loving it. So, yes, that would be my favourite go-to book for this moment. Incredible. And because you read so much, do you podcast? Well, that's so interesting too. I haven't podcasted as much as you might think so and when I'm driving I will sometimes listen to a podcast but but I actually really enjoy that time to let my mind be free yeah is that a country girl thing though because I grew up in central Queensland and we were always on the road and there was like it was usually country music or the ABC radio and you tuned out and it was really your own time and your own space yes maybe because yeah a lot of driving but I just really enjoy that time because there's not very often anywhere anymore you know, we're always busy doing something. And so to me, driving is you have to be there. You have to be getting from A to B. And so it's just a lovely time to let my mind wander or let ideas pop in. And so I don't often build the space. Yeah, always put lots of noise in that time. But if I do listen to podcasts, I'm a bit of a true crime girl. I feel like it's uh, people watching, 
kind of voyeuristic people watching yeah like and, yeah. and understanding people or what makes people tick or yeah you know and I got quite hooked on that Melissa Caddick story oh uh, yeah because just trying to understand how somebody you know so I guess it's like being a voyeur into human nature or yeah trying to work why why people act the way they do so yes but no I um after you said that I thought oh I just must get back into my podcast <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though because what we are discovering is that people are one or the other it's like you have time to read or you have time to podcast yes okay yeah. well I think yeah. I'm still more the reader yeah and I think that you know because I can as I said to you then when I'm reading I'll highlight things because I've got my kindle here now as well as real books but I can highlight my kindle as well and then I also take notes I've got a journal that yeah I journal certain specific points that I want to take from that Whereas when I'm doing a podcast, I can't, it's not as natural to do like no. replay it or stop it then and sit with it or how do I highlight it or, you know, pull over and write that down. I don't know. So I guess I've got a ritual around how I do my personal development, uh, I guess. Yeah. I have a ritual and podcast at the moment is not kind of fitting into that ritual. No, and the rituals are what matter actually. The rituals that work for you are what matter. Yeah. What I've started to do because I use the podcasting when I'm, exercising that thing we do if we love our bodies that <laughs> you're talking about before and I've been using it for that and what I've started to do because I'm an avid reader is I've started to when I love something I get to the office and I drop a transcript of it I run it through autumn oh, and I drop a transcript yes. of it and then I can do my notes and my highlighting and that has started to work yeah, still doesn't replace the books though <laughs> oh, thank you thank you Not yeah so Julie last three questions we're going to wrap it out the worst piece of advice you've ever been given. And when we're in a public arena, there's lots of things come flying at us. What's the worst piece you've ever been given? Oh, uh, yes. Well, the worst bit of advice I've ever been given is to sit down and be quiet. <laughs> yes. Lucky you didn't listen to that one. <laughs> no. So I think when you're a loud personality like mine, you hear a lot, you're too loud yeah. or, yeah. you know, you be quiet, sit quietly or go, you know, be quieter or, you know, oh, you're a bit... Tone it down. A bit much, tone it down. Worst bit of advice, yeah. Love that. And what about the best piece of advice on the flip side of that? Keep speaking. Ooh. Keep using your voice, Julie. Oh. Because I think that that would be the number one feedback that I get after I speak is someone will always come up to me and say, Julie, the world needs you to keep telling your stories. Oh. Keep talking. So quite opposite to the worst piece of advice. So that I choose to listen to those ones. <laughs> <laughs> Not the five that are about be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> and then as we wrap it out, final pearls of wisdom for the women listening today. I think that you, you know, to please use your voice, the world needs you to show up. You are enough. You are enough just because you are arrived, you know, so so use the voice, but remember that we use our voice not just by what we say, but by what we do and how we move through the world. Yeah. So I think that sometimes we forget about our subliminal messages that we give with our actions. And I think we forget that that's part of our voice. Yeah. And so remember that, you know, and I guess I am instantly reflecting here because it's women that is your target audience is this self-esteem issue and the way that we judge ourselves physically and the messages that we're giving our future generations when we do not embrace aging, when we act like aging has to be cured and endured rather than embraced and celebrated, mm. when we forget the subliminal messages that every time we try to alter ourselves physically, that we're saying subliminally that we are never arrived enough yeah. and it needs to be fixed. And that's yeah. the message our younger generation are getting from us constantly 
is that they are not good enough and that whatever we however we arrived is not enough and it needs to be fixed it doesn't need to be fixed i love that julie we i mean i am i as we said earlier i've turned 50 this year and and i've surprised people because i i think turning 50 is a gift and should be celebrated there are so many people that don't make it or don't make it well well my husband never made it he taught me that that every year i live it's such a gift yeah, yeah it is a gift julie cross thank you so much for your time today Thank you, Jacqueline, and thank you to all your listeners. I've loved sharing this time with you. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks, Julie. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Raise 1000 Voices. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as I have. And if you have, then I would love you to subscribe to and rate the show on your favorite platform. Our show notes, resources, and links to all our socials can be found at anygiventuesday.com.au forward slash podcast. And if you'd like to join a growing community of clever, creative, and courageous women who know that they want to be seen, heard, and remembered, then join us in our Facebook group, raise 1000 voices. Until we speak again, take care and remember you were born to raise your voice.